Yo, what is good, guys? Welcome in to the first ever episode on Behind the Bracket Podcast. I'm your host, Andy. If you want more information or more um, updates on College Hoops Bracketology, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Behind the Brackets on all three handles. Welcome in. Today, I am... It's the first day of the podcast, first episode of the podcast. Um, This podcast is mainly for... Um, college hoops, bracketology, and recruiting news updates, etc. Mainly bracketology. We'll spend a lot of time on the side of bracketology. We are literally five months away from, hopefully, we would think Selection Sunday. We are only a month out. We are about one month and seven days out to the exact start of college hoops coming back to America playing basketball. We don't know much yet about what it's going to look like, but all we do know is that on November 25th, 2020, college hoops will be back and and a few other small details. First, we're going to do the weekly rundown, which will be a segment where we talk about news that happened and occurred over the week. A big, big, big thing. The NCAA has allowed winter sport athletes to receive an extra season of eligibility. That is a huge, huge, huge news that is big for the NCAA and college basketball fans and college basketball players around the country. This means that, let's say, we take the player, I don't know, let's take Cade Cunningham, Cunningham, for example. Let's say he has a horrendous year in college basketball and that he goes downhill and he doesn't look like he'll get drafted in the league. And so, um, at Oklahoma State, Instead of only being able to play three more seasons, he can play four more seasons as the NCAA has allowed for every single player in the NCAA to have an additional year of eligibility. Now, this this can be a big thing and a bad thing. First, in my opinion, I think the NCAA did get it right. The NCAA did this for football and other sports, and I think they did get it right due to the fact that you know, we're living in COVID times and this isn't going to be a true full season, so it's going to probably be good for to get players back on scholarships and stuff like that. However, there will be some unintended um, consequences that will come from this. For example, you may see a team with 20 players. I'm not kidding with 20 players on scholarship. How scholarship is going to work, as I am told, or as I have read through articles and other podcasts, is you take your players... So you have your 13 players you can have on scholarship, and you take the seniors that are coming back, and you add those two together, and that's how many players you can have on scholarship for next year. So if I am, let's say, Wichita State basketball, and I have six seniors, and I want to bring them all back, which I know many coaches don't. I've read articles about it. Many coaches don't want to bring all their seniors back. They may want one or two seniors back. They can say, you know what, we're not going to have you back, or we're not going to let you come back, or we're not going to... Or you can, or we want you to come back, and we will have you come back to the team for the following season. However, what is happening is, so let's say I'm Wichita State, I have 13 players that I can have on scholarship, and I have six seniors. If I want all six seniors back, that means I have 19 players that I can have on scholarship. That is going to be a huge blow. I wouldn't say blow, but a huge cost for the school and for the program in general. And so. It's going to have some unintended consequences. Um, I take the story of the SARS kid from Kentucky. I don't remember his first name. Let, let me just look that up very quickly. Um, he is a, I believe he's French. Um, 
let me just see it very quickly. Um, his name is... Um, he's from Wake Forest. He's a Wake Forest seven-foot guy. Uh, uh, Olivier Saar. He is um, seven feet tall. He is a big man, and he's going to be, I believe, a senior this year. So what the issue is, is that in Kentucky basketball, he's, so he's a transfer. So he transferred from Wake Forest to Kentucky. However, he there's a rule in Kentucky, um, the University of Kentucky, that for you to be able to like play, you have to do, like, you have to sit out a year no matter what, or it's it's some rule that wouldn't allow him to play this season. However, since because of the new rule, he can sit, he'll have to sit out the season, but he can regain that extra year of eligibility. Because before this rule was set in place, he could only sit out the season and that's his career. So he wouldn't transfer to Kentucky, he would just stay at Wake Forest, I would presume. But because of this rule, he can, he can go to Kentucky and... And he can hop over to, let's say, and he can play a year of Kentucky basketball as kind of a grad transfer senior. I don't know what they're going to consider that. But basically, there's multiple stories in the NCAA that are like that and really are intriguing because you can get some players that you can transfer over to your school now if you really wanted to um, with this rule. Obviously, it's only this year, but some players that have transferred and have this problem will not have that problem anymore and they will be they'll be fine with that problem if they can enroll between this between next semester I believe and so this rule gives a lot of leeway to a lot of players I mean a lot of and a lot of players can also increase their draft stock with an extra year or whatever just a lot of leeway to this rule I think the NCAA did get it right um another thing the NCAA has set in stone or has has agreed upon is that they will be allowing for everyone to transfer once so every player can transfer once um, without any sitting out or eligibility issues Um, basically if I am a player at New Mexico State University I can transfer once in my career without any problems so I can go to Duke but if I were to transfer again, then I'd have to sit out a year. This is a rule that has been wanted by the basketball community for years, and we're finally going to get it. They're not going to put it in legislation until January. They have to wait till January at the NCAA convention. But I, they did agree on it this past week, so I will believe that they will do that. And um, uh, yeah, and so that's a pretty pretty cool thing for NCAA. The one, um, we're already getting some opt-outs. We had a Central Florida player opting out. Now we have Kansas basketball player Silvio De Sosa. He is now going to opt out from the season for personal issues. De Sosa um, averaged two points per game for Kansas, but this is really the first Power 5 player to opt out this season. And I hope we're not going to have any more or any more big players, but we will have to see in the upcoming weeks who's going to opt out. He's a six foot nine, 245-pound native from Luanda, Angola, and I think this may be his last year of, like, I think he won't come back next year. I think he just wants to be done with basketball at this point in his career. He, like I said, averaged about two points per game um, and such. Um, so those, that was a pretty big deal that, um, because those few NCAA rules that are allowed. Um, some more news in this week's weekly rundown. We have, um, 20, the 2023 through 2026, um, six host sites, regional and first and second round host sites, have been named. Only six cities, um, one per each year. 
but have been named and they're going to probably name more upcoming in the upcoming weeks and, and months. Um, but um, I'll, I'll list these sites. Um, in 2023, Las Vegas will be a March Madness regional host site. 2024, Los Angeles will be a regional host site. 2025, Seattle will be a first and second round re- host site. 2025 would be San Francisco will be a regional host site. In 2026, San Jose reg- will be a regional host site. Dan Gavitz, um, a chairman for the NCAA committee, has ha- said a few things about this. Um, quote, well, Dan Gavitt said on high-profile cities out west being named the NCAA tournament sites. These cities include Seattle, San Francisco, San Jose, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, all these cities. Um, Gavitt commented saying, quote, Very exciting to be able to reward three new or relatively new places, as you mentioned, in Seattle, San Francisco, and Las Vegas. Of course, we'll be in San Francisco, the Chase Center in 2022. It'll be the first time since 1960 we've in San Francisco for the NCAA tournament in Seattle since the Final Four was held in the kingdom way back when. It's been a long time since we've been able to regularly have the tournament in Seattle, a great city, renovated, new facility there. Looking forward to being in Seattle and, of course, very newsworthy to be in Las Vegas and the NCAA tournament for the first time. The 2023 men's regional site will be held there, end quote. One thing I would like to say about Seattle is I am happy that they're going to get some college basketball there. They have had a very rough millennium in the 2000s. Um, having solid te- sports teams to losing a basketball team and they have really stuck through it, and I'm happy that the city of Seattle will get basketball once again, at least for a March Madness tournament host site. Gavitt also commented on um, the desire to select Las Vegas as a host site for the first time. Quote, I think, I think quite a bit. I think they were interested for a number of years now, and certainly since the policy change, and make it permissible. So many conference tournaments have had great success in Las Vegas. The number of hotel rooms is enormous, as we know. Of course, entertainment options outside of sports are plentiful, and transportation in and out of Las Vegas is accessible from all over the country. So many different reasons why it's a favorable place to hold NCAA championships, end quote. I think also Las Vegas is an incredible site to have. Um, You have a lot of things going on in Las Vegas, and it's a great way to have people come around. It's a big city, a lot of big attractions, and it's a great way to have college basketball there in March and to get more recognition among Americans, um, even though college basketball is one of the biggest sports in America. Gavin also said um, to award Las Vegas a regional rather than a first or second round site. He explained why they gave them a regional um, site. He said, quote, interestingly, the basketball committee decided to award a regional there and not a first and second round site. Normally in a new site like that, you'd go first and second round first before you consider a regional. But I think they took into consideration that there are many there are so many conference tournaments that having a first and second round site would mean back to back-to-back, in some cases back-to-back-to-back-to-back weekends of basketball tournaments in Las Vegas. And so having a week in between the last conference tournaments that will be held there, then the first and second rounds at another site back to Las Vegas for the regionals made more sense in their minds, end quote. Um, And then also some news that Dayton will still be 
the host site for the first four games. He said, commented, he commented on that saying, quote, well, UD or the University Dayton Arena has hosted more NCAA tournament games as one venue than any other in the country. The University of Dayton and the Dayton community takes incredible pride in tipping off March Madness every year with the first four. It's been a very successful place from a fan attendance standpoint, from a team experience standpoint, from a central, central, reality, I'm so sorry, of the location in the country to get teams in and out, start, and go on to the first round sites after those teams advance. While we did consider other options, Dayton continues to win the day and really excited to be now bring four more years of first four to Dayton, which will ensure the 25th anniversary of their first time hosting in 2001. Oh, and will take place. <clears throat> Dan Gavitt commented on that. Um, so that really just shows um, that college basketball will still be in Dayton for years to come, and I'm very excited for that. Um, and that there's still going to be a lot more um, sites to be named um, as we just added a few more to that. So that was um, a kind of a bigger topic of news this week. Um, some more news that happened. Um, Greg Marshall commented on his allegations um, if you do not know what's happening, Greg Marshall um, was said to um, ab- be abusing players um, by hitting players physically and emotionally abusing players. Um, da- uh, Greg Marshall, the Wichita State head coach, um, stated in the Wichita Eagle, quote, in response to allegations put forward in the media, I simply state unequivocally that I have never physically struck a player or colleague, um, end quote. Marshall said, doubling down on a statement last week in which he acknowledged he can be, quote, demanding, harsh, or strict, end quote, but that he is not abusive. Quote, allegations claiming otherwise are false, and end quote. That's what CBS Sports talked about in an article around um, the situation. Um, we don't really have much more other than that Wichita State is going to be um, investigating this, and I think we will have some answers by next week or the week after. Um, not much to be known there, um, but... He, Greg Marshall, has been a very um, influential coach in Wichita State history, no doubt about it. He's probably the greatest. And he just, this is some big news for Shocker basketball. I mean, if he really did do this, it's something that needs to be addressed and settled and needs to be fired for it. And this could ruin his career. Hopefully it's not. Um, uh, true, but you, we really need to investigate that thoroughly. Um, And I'm happy that the NCAA is taking a stand for abuse. Um, And then uh, an interesting article I found on the internet um, on SportingNews.com, which the NCAA, when they were meeting, um, they're they're becoming closer. The NCAA is becoming closer to allowing players to get paid. Um, This time, kind of, um, as college athletes are now getting closer and closer to getting paid, by through the NCAA sports, they have um, the NCAA is going to put in legislation um, that players can get get paid off of um, like Instagram and social media platforms. Um, let's see. Um, in the article, it states and basically the NCAA said um, <clears throat> that name, image, and likeness rights are coming to NCAA athletes, meaning we could potentially be 
getting more college sports games back. Um, athletes, like let's say, for example, you get Mikey Williams. He has millions of followers on Instagram. He will be coming most likely to the NCAA in a, in a few years, obviously. I think he's in the class of 2023 um, if he doesn't go pro. But let's say he comes to the NCAA. He can make money off his Instagram page. He can make money off of YouTube if he wanted to do influencer status things. Um, you take the cases of football players like Destroying or um, Stone Wilson. Those were, those were two influential football kickers. Um, and they had some controversy because the NCAA did not allow them to make money off of YouTube, but they were making enough to support themselves due to the fact that being an NCAA player in Division One college sports is basically a second job, but you're just not getting paid for. And so these athletes are wanting to get paid and they need way outlets to get paid. Um, and so when they find an outlet and they're told they're not allowed to use that outlet to get money, it really kind of puts pressure on the athletes. And I feel like this is a great, great way that the NCAA is making more leeway for getting athletes to get paid. Um, I feel like just the fact that you can get paid now from your name, image, and likeness is amazing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if shoe deals would happen in the future. And this is for all sports. I mean, there's there's men's soccer players that have over 10K followers on Instagram. You can make money off of that, you know? You can make money off some things. You can get cleat deals. I mean, it all just depends on who you are and what kind of player you are and what sport you're doing. Um, and that really wraps up the news from the week. Um, um, yeah, that really wraps up the news. Um, college basketball is back in twenty in literally the 25th. Um, that's on November 25th. Um, um, like, that's literally... Um, that's a few weeks away. Like, it's literally 38 days. 38 days to college basketball back. That is crazy to me. That is amazing, too. Now we're getting closer to the college season. And that college will be back. Hoops will be back. Um, and that's exciting for a lot of people. Um, anyways... We're going to now shift over our thought processes to bracketology, the reason why we are here. I have created my first ever brackets, or the behind the, uh, we have behind the brackets um, committee, us, we have com- made our first bracket in behind the brackets history. Um, we created the preseason week one, which I'm considering this preseason week one college practices are back so it's basically preseason week one um 10 18 which is today which is the day that this is uploaded and made in the 20 to the 24th which is next saturday here's our brackets i'm going to basically just run down the list of teams we're going to start with um in the west region my number one team in the nation as of right now i want to i actually want to include or just say that before we get started with the bracket everything that i say is right now. If there was, if they made a 68 team tournament right now, who would win? And who would be the best teams? So this isn't like in um, March. I'm going to say Kentucky's a three seed. Yes, they're a three seed. We don't know how they're going to play out. They could be Duke, like of two years of Zion, Williamson, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett, where they were outstanding and got a first seed. Or they could literally be Duke from last year. I mean, who could have legitimately being a three or four seed um there you could have made cases for those reasons and so i'm gonna just 
say my opinion and where they would stand in my opinion now more than anything and in our opinions and the behind the bracket committee. The best team we chose in the West region is Gonzaga. They will be playing at the number one seed. Um, the number 16 seed they would play would be the winner of the play-in games, North Carolina Central and Prairie View a &M. Um, the 8 and the 9 in that in that region is Purdue and UConn. The 5 and the 12 is Arizona State and the play-in winner of BYU and Cincinnati. The 4 is Michigan, 13 New Mexico State, 6 West Virginia, 11 Louisville, 3 Kentucky, 14 Wright State, 7 UNC, 10 Clemson, 2 Kansas, 15 Arkansas Little Rock, 1 Iowa, 16 Colgate, 8 Richmond, 9 St. Louis, 5 UCLA, 12 SDSU or the or St. John's, the winner of that game, 4 Michigan State, 13 Akron, 6 Florida State, 11 Colorado, 3 Rutgers, yes, Rutgers at the 3, 14 Eastern Tennessee State University, 7 Florida, 10 Arizona, 2 Illinois, and 15 Vermont. That was the whole left side of the bracket. Um, between Iowa and Vermont, that was the Midwest region. I'm sorry I didn't explain that. Now on the right side of the bracket, the South region, uh, we got Baylor at the number one seed versus the winner of Eastern Washington and St. Francis, PA. Um, Seton Hall and LSU round out the eights and nines. The five is Indiana, 12 is Iona, four is Texas Tech, 13 Liberty, six Stanford, 11 Belmont, three Tennessee, 14 North Texas, seven Alabama, 10 Auburn, two Wisconsin, 15 Winthrop, one and then that will round out the South. In the East region, one Villanova, number 16, North Dakota State University, eight Providence, nine Northern Iowa, five Texas, 12 Yale, yes, 12 Yale, four Creighton, 13 Stephen F. Austin, six Houston, 11 Boise State, three Duke, 14 Hofstra, seven Oregon, or Oregon, excuse me, 10 Arkansas, two Virginia, and 15 UC Irvine. Just for a little um, thought, um, whoever, in my opinion, wins the Big Ten will be a number one seed, no doubt. It's either going to be Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin. Those are like my three teams that I think will win the Big Ten. And I chose to say I was going to win. I really think it's going to be between Iowa and Illinois with Coffee Cock, um, Cockburn, and uh, Luca Garza. Those two players are going to battle it out, and I think Iowa will win. The Big Ten Championship this year as of right now, as of right now. My my mind might differ in two weeks. We never know. Um, and then so Baylor and Villanova, the other one seeds, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Villanova, I think, is one of the best teams in the nation, if not right now the best team in the nation. They are just incredible because they brought back basically their whole entire lineup from last year's season, and they're just powerful. Same thing with Gonzaga. They added Jalen Suggs. And they're going to be a very powerful team this year. Um, and so I think that it's going to be a very good season just watching these teams develop and see how they, especially the younger teams like Kentucky. Um, let's get into the predictions of the games. I'm going to start with the playing games in Dayton. Um, 16 North Carolina Central versus 16 Prairie View a &M. I'm just going to say that the 16 seeds, none of them won against a one seed. I don't think that's going to happen this year again. And so this is going to be the only win for 16 seeds as North Carolina Central beat Prairie View a &M, in my opinion. Eastern And then Eastern Washington and St. Francis PA, I think 16 Eastern Washington will win. And then on the 12 seeds playing games, I think 12 Cincinnati will beat 12 BYU. And tw 
12, St. John's will beat 12, San Diego State University. And so, um, those are really the playing games. And so now we're going to get into the actual games. That, and we're going to predict or show my predictions or our predictions for the um, preseason week one bracket. Between Gonzaga and North Carolina Central University, I have Gonzaga winning. Um, number eight, number nine, Purdue. Now, this is going to be an interesting game if it actually does happen. Um, or Purdue, Purdue and UConn. Between, yeah, Purdue and UConn. These two teams are very, very good teams. Um, UConn, they added, they had the be- second best um, Big East recruiting class this year. as they And they also will bring back James Bonite and Dan Hurley. But Purdue... Um, they did lose a few players and a lot of few players from the transfer window. Window, however, um, I think Travion Williams will have an incredible season, as well as Jaden Ivy, Brandon Newman, and Ethan Morin. Um, I think UConn's gonna win this game if this were to happen. Just the addition of these young players, especially early in the tournament, you'll find a lot of upsets because these young good players will just do very, very good. I think UConn's gonna win versus Purdue. Arizona State and Cincinnati. I have Cincinnati on the upset. Um, I know it's kind of a surprise to some people, but I think Cincinnati could pull it off. Um, that's just just an upset game. I feel like you know upset games are are pretty good to have in these tournaments. Um, and well, and it's pretty common. Michigan and New Mexico State. I have Michigan winning. West Virginia, Louisville. Uh, this would be an interesting game to watch, but I think West Virginia will pull it off pretty easily. Um, may it it would be close, but I think West Virginia will win. Three Kentucky and fourteen Wright State. I have three Kentucky winning. Seven UNC and two or seven UNC and ten Clemson. I have UNC winning. And Kansas and Arkansas Little Rock. I have Arkansas. Just kidding. I have Kansas winning that game. So that's the West Region first round games. Now in the Midwest Region first round games, Iowa Colgate. I have Iowa Weasley winning pretty easily. Um, Richmond St. Louis. I have St. Louis beating Richmond. UCLA versus. Uh, I believe I chose, yep, St. John's. I have UCLA winning. Michigan State and Akron. I think I have Akron winning because I think the loss of Cassius Winston and Michigan State, I don't think they can, I don't think they'll have a genuine leader that will step up in big moments. And I think Akron can really upset a team if they wanted to. Um, And then we have Florida State and Colorado. I have FSU winning. Rutgers and Eastern Tennessee State. I have Rutgers winning. Arizona and Florida. I have Arizona on the upset. Illinois, Vermont, I have Illinois winning. Now, going to the South region on the right side of the bracket, I have Baylor versus Eastern Washington. Baylor winning. Seton Hall, LSU, I have LSU winning. I had three nine seeds beat an eight seed, which is very interesting. As I put them on the nine, they should have been put at the eight, but I I always like to watch the eight and nine games because those are always the closest and just the craziest game because you don't know who's going to win. Because they're very even teams. Um, number five, Indiana and 12, Iona. I have Indiana winning. Four, Texas Tech and uh, 13, Liberty. I have four, Texas Tech winning that one. Uh, six, Stanford and 11, Belmont. I have number six, Stanford winning. Three, Tennessee and 14, North Texas. I have three, Tennessee um, winning against North Texas. Seven, Alabama and 10, Auburn. I have Auburn on the upset. Um, I think just the fact that having Isaac Okoro in the program really leaves a uh, really leaves a pin in the program and just a mindset to win, and I think that they can pull off the upset. Um, and where are we at? Um, 
Oh, yeah, and Wisconsin and Winthrop, I have Wisconsin winning. Um, Villanova, North Dakota State, I have Villanova winning. Uh, Providence and Northern Iowa, Providence beating Northern Iowa, the first eight, the first and only eight seed to actually win a game in this bracket. Texas and Yale, I have Texas. Creighton and Stephen F. Austin, I have Creighton winning. Houston, Boise State, six, boy, Houston. Three, Duke, 14. Three, Duke, 14, Hofstra. Three, Duke. Um, seven, Oregon, 10, Arkansas, I have Oregon, and two, Virginia, and 15, UC Irvine. And so those will wrap up, um, excuse me, those will wrap up those the first round games. Um, before we get into the second round games, um, I'm going to take a really quick break. Um, we're going to get a sponsor break, or not a sponsor break, but a fun little break. Hi, I would recommend, if you ever wanted to start a podcast, to use Anchor.fm. It's the number one way, in my opinion, to use or to set up a podcast is on Acre FM. It's free. It can distribute the podcast to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anything and any other um, podcast websites. Um, that's anchor.fm.com. To start a podcast, use anchor.fm.com. It is the number one way to start and use a podcast in 2020. Okay, we are back um, on the podcast. Um. So we're going to go into the second round games. We're going to dive into the bracketology in the second round games. Um, so we have in the West region, number one, Gonzaga. There's number nine, UConn. I have Gonzaga winning that game. Pretty simply. 12, Cincinnati and four, Michigan. I have Michigan stomping out Cincinnati. West Virginia and Kentucky. I have Kentucky, the three seed winning. And UNC versus Kansas. I think both self will, will get outcoached by John Calipari in that game and or excuse me, John Calipari, excuse me, Roy Williams and 7 UNC will beat number 2 Kansas. Then in the Midwest region, number 1 Iowa will beat number 9 St. Louis, number 5 UCLA will beat 13 Akron, number 6 FSU, number 3 Rutgers, I think FSU will win, I think this is a strong core, can beat out Rutgers in that match, and 10 Arizona and 2 Illinois, I think I have Illinois winning that one. Baylor and LSU. I have number one Baylor beating number nine LSU. Number five Indiana versus four Texas Tech. I have number five Indiana winning that game. Um, six Stanford and three Tennessee. I have Stanford number six winning that one. And ten Auburn and two Wisconsin. I have number two Wisconsin winning that. Now in the next bracket, um, the East region, we have number one Villanova versus number eight Providence. I have Villanova winning. Number five Texas and number four Creighton. I have number four winning Creighton. Um, Houston and Duke, number three, Duke will win and beat against Houston. And number seven, Oregon, number two, Virginia. And number two, Virginia winning, moving on. Um, an interesting thing that I noticed is that there was only one bracket that actually had a pretty, like, like every team that was supposed to win wins. Like, a, like you could say a perfect bracket, the East region. Um, every higher, higher seed won in that region and so um, in every single game. And so I thought that was interesting. Just wanted to put that out there. Um, just for a fun little thing. Um, now we're going to get into the Sweet 16. I'm in the West region, Gonzaga and Michigan. I have Gonzaga. Just the Jalen Suggs in general and the strong veteran core. I think that'll be a great combination. And they'll easily, could easily power through any team if they put their mind to it. Um, number th- So I have Gonzaga winning versus number four, Michigan. Number three, Kentucky. And number seven, UNC. I have Kentucky winning that. I think um, 
John Calipari will just coach up and become a strong coach and the veteran and the veteran players, even though Kentucky does not have a lot, especially the bench players, I I, w- I should say, will help out. And I feel like the energy that Kentucky brings will out just out everything in UNC and that Kentucky will win in a nitty-gritty game. Number one, Iowa versus number five, UCLA. I have number one, Iowa winning. Number six, FSU. And number two, Illinois. I have FSU on the upset. Um, FSU is a very interesting team. In my opinion, they're going to be a very strong team, but um, they did lose a few players. However, I think Leonard Hamilton in general, Malik Osborne, and MJ Walker, they're just going to be studs. I think they're just going to be studs in the tournament. They will become household names, and they will do great if Florida State makes it that far in the tournament. Um, and then, I number one, Baylor, or in the South, or excuse me, we're in the yeah South region, in the Sweet 16, we have number one, Baylor, and number five, Indiana. I have number one, Baylor winning that game. Number six, Stanford, and number two, Wisconsin. I have number two, Wisconsin winning. One, Nova, and four, Creighton. I have number one, Nova, and three, Duke, and two, U of A. I have Virginia winning. And so now we're in the Elite Eight. Um, basically, the right side of the bracket, both the South and the East regions, are kind of perfect brackets. We have the number one and the number two teams playing off. But in the West and the Midwest, we have number one, number three, and a number one and the number six. However, all the number one seeds had made it so far, all of them, to the Elite Eight. That won't stay for long because number one, Gonzaga, number three, Kentucky. I have number three, Kentucky, on the upset and winning. I just think the fact that there's a young core and they're, just, and they're young one-and-done players, even though it is known um, in college basketball that usually the teams that are veterans and have veterans will win games. Um, late in the tournament, um, the Kentucky just had the best con- recruiting class in the nation. I have to give it to them. It's either going to be very good or very, very poor um, for Kentucky standards. It's either they're going to be a number one seed this year or they're going to be number four or five, in my opinion, this year. And so I think they could really damage teams if they all come together, if all their players, if they're all their new recruits, their freshmen come together. I think they can beat Gonzaga. Um I think they can shut down Jalen Suggs and the team in Gonzaga. So I have three Kentucky moving on to the Final Four. Um, in the Midwest region, one Iowa, six FSU. I think Luca Gar- Garza and Joe Weiskamp will be too much for FSU. I have number one Iowa make it to, making it to the Final Four. Baylor, Wisconsin. I have Baylor beating Wisconsin. Um, we haven't talked about, much about Baylor. Um, I think the only thing I have to say is Jared Butler. He in, he is, in my opinion, a top five player in the nation, and I think he he's just going to be amazing playing in the tournament. And number one, Villanova, and number two, Yave. I have one Nova betting winning that game. So now we have Kentucky and Iowa in the Final Four. I'm going to choose Iowa. I think it's going to be the end of Kentucky's little bit of a cinder, not Cinderella, they're the three seed, but a little, but their little run. And then Baylor and Villanova, I have Villanova winning. And then in the National Championship, Iowa, Villanova, I think Villanova's, I think Colin Gillespie, We'll just have an outstanding game and give Villanova another championship. So, in this first bracket, I have Villanova winning the championship, the national championship over Iowa. Um, now, we're going to get into a little bit some more details of the bracket. I put in the the 16 bubble teams. Um, four, eight of them did make this tournament. Eight of them did not. So, the last four in, I had number 12 Cincinnati, number 12 SDSU, Number 12, St. John's, and number 12, Birmingham Young. All those teams did play a play-in game. I feel like it's more fair to have um, 
those teams play a playing game than an auto bid game than an auto bid team. So even though, um, even though Iona might not have been as good as BYU, I think BYU because they're not an auto bid, they don't deserve to play. Um, they don't deserve to play in that aspect. Um, uh, the first four teams out. Um, Dayton, Georgia Tech, Memphis, and Ohio State. I think those four teams could easily make the tournament, but they just have to have a good year and um, lose to teams that they can beat or don't lose to teams that they can beat. Um, they And honestly, those four teams, other than I, I don't think Iowa, Ohio State will, but I think the, those three teams and maybe Georgia Tech, so Memphis and Dayton, if they win their conference, they're set, but they need to win their conference. Um, the next four out, so this means these are the four teams that are kind of locked in, um, but... If Cincinnati, SDSU, St. John's, and BYU weren't there, they would be the last four in. Um, number 11, Louisville. Number 11, Colorado. Number 10, Clemson. Number 10, Auburn. You might be asking, why isn't Iona in this case and the next four out? Well, that is because Iona is an auto-bid team from the MIAC or the, yeah, the MIAC, I believe it is. And so I cannot put them on the bubble wash. And then the next four buys, these are the teams that definitely missed out on the tournament. However, if Dayton, Georgia Tech, Memphis, and Ohio State aren't there, then they would be the first four out teams. This would be North Carolina State, Oklahoma, uh, Cade Cunningham and Oklahoma State and Loyola Chicago. I think any of those teams could make it in, but they do. They would need to either, one, win their conference, which I could see potentially Oklahoma State doing, but I don't think any other team could. Two, um, or two, go deep in the tournament and their conference tournament, or three, just have a great year and become a two or a three seed in their conference tournament. If that's there, then those are all power five schools except Loyola Chicago. Um, they shall be set for this season. So that's basically our bracketology watch um, for this week. The main meat of potatoes of this week's podcast episode. Now we're just going to get to a little bit of a fun, or we're going to get to some recruiting news. Um, I always like to talk about some recruiting Um Um, it's always fun to talk about talk recruiting in this day of age of basketball. Um, we're going to get into commits from last this past week. Um, we had um, a few great commits. We had on the 17th yesterday, a small forward, 6'4", 175-pounder, three-star athlete, um, or small forward, 262nd national ranked 2020 class 21 class player Justin Rochelin from Heritage Christian committed to Arizona State University Trey Carroll out of Charlotte University or Charlotte High School out of Punta Gorda Florida 67205 senior out in the 2021 class three star power forward 174th ranked player committed to Florida Atlantic University a very interesting um selection Wade Taylor from Lancaster High School in Lancaster, Texas, six foot point guard, one eighty pounds, four star, committed to Texas A and M University. Um, Sam Aomide, um, he's from Malvern, Pennsylvania, went to the Phelps School on the thirteenth, committed to Memphis. He's a three star center, and our we have two more players: Tucker DeVries, um, committed on the twelfth. He's from Milwaukee, senior from Milwaukee, Iowa. He's going to go to his local school of Drake University. He was a four-star small forward. And Akolda Gak, a three-star, 170th best player in the nation, power forward, 
from Blair Academy in New Jersey, 6'11", 200-pound power forward. He has decided to play professional basketball, which breaks my heart that he's not going to play college hoops, but if it's in his best interest, he shall do it. Um, so that was, those are the commits. We have some news about some lists. 2021 four-star shooting guard Dallin Coleman has cut his list to three teams. Those three teams include Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, and Texas Tech. He is the 49th overall prospect in the 2021 class. He originally had 11 schools from Auburn, Iowa State, Louisville, Memphis, Montana State, UCF, Virginia, and Wake Forest. He cut it down to the three schools I just mentioned, which is Georgia Tech, Ole Miss, and Texas Tech, as well as Auburn, or excuse me, um, Five-star 2022 power forward Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, star player, the sixth-ranked player in his class, has cut down his list to five schools, and those schools are Auburn, Ole Miss, Wake Forest, Tennessee, and Kansas. Um, My crystal ball prediction is honestly going to be Auburn, but we'll have to see what his thoughts are and what he wants to do. Um... We have some commitments this week. We have um, three, or excuse me, two um, players that are going that have said they're going to commit this week um, today, actually, and he probably most likely already committed. If you are watching this, um, I believe, um, yeah, it's Langston Wilson, um, six nine, two hundred pound power forward. He's a JUCO product from Georgia Highlands College. Four-star, second-ranked JUCO prospect in the nation. Um, He's 100% crystal ball Alabama, according to 24-7 Sports. I think he will go to Alabama. Bryce Hopkins, a four-star, four-star, 6'7", 220-pound power forward from Fenwick High School. He is crystal ball to be Kentucky. He will be committing on the 20th. And Sky Clark, a five-star, 14th rank in the class of 2022, Combo guard 6'3". He is crystal ball to go to Kentucky. He will also be announcing his commitment on the 22nd. So that will wrap up our um, recruiting. Um, One thing I'd like to say is that the Lakers won the championship. (laughs) That's all I have to say is congrats to the Lakers. I also saw an article on NCAA.com that Andy Katz made. He chose six college basketball freshmen who could be the biggest difference makers and impact their teams the most this season. And uh, he chose six players that that fit those criteria and that he thinks are the best options, and I chose my six players. Um, uh, we had about, I believe, three players that were the same. Um, we're going to dive into that right now. Now we're in different lists. Um, he chose Makur Maker as the number one, for Howard, as the number one player that will impact the team the most. I also chose Makur Maker as the number one player to impact his team the most. He's literally the 11th best player in the nation, a five-star, and has decided to go to Howard. Um, Ken Pomeroy, the Ken Pom system, um, said that Howard went from 352nd, the, one of the worst teams in the country, to 255 the 255th ranking in Ken Pomeroy's preseason rankings. That's almost a 100. That's a 97 ranking jump just because they got McCurmaker. That is crazy. That is crazy. McCurmaker is 6'7", 235 pounds. He will do damage in, in at Howard. Um, Kate Cunningham from Oklahoma State, 
um, Cunningham. I also chose him. He's the number one ranked player in the nation. There's no doubt in my mind that he will have an impact. Um, Zaire Williams for Stanford. I also agreed with that. I also chose Zaire Williams. Uh, Zaire Williams is a crafty small forward, 6'7", 175. He's a five-star. He's ranked sixth in the nation. I also chose him. He's very crafty. He's very good at getting to the rim. Um, and for Stanford, a team that's definitely going to need help because they were um, just, they they're always seem to be having, you know, they always make it to the NIT. They ju always just miss out of the tournament. I think because of Zaire, they couldn't make the tournament this year. And so that, those are the three players that we agreed with, me and Andy Katz. However, there are three players that we did not. He chose the remaining three, Jalen Suggs of Gonzaga, Kayla Murphy of South Florida, and Andrej Jemimovsky from Washington State. Those three players are very good players, but I think Evan Mobley for USC, five-star, number three in the nation. He chose USC over very talented teams, and I think that just that, because USC is known to be more of an NIT team, will really up the chances of a USC going to the tournament, and he'll make a huge impact. I also chose Mosa Sise from Memphis. I think number 10th ranked player. I think he has the best opportunity to do so as well. And for Memphis, and Christian Lander, um, Indiana Hoosier, five-star uh, point guard. I, he really reminds me of Romeo Langford, and I think he'll do what Romeo Langford did with Indiana. Um, even though they went 18-18, and 18, they still beat some of the best teams in the nation, and that's a huge impact. Um, they were definitely giant killers that year when when they had Romeo Langford, that was a crazy year, um, and just a crazy time in college basketball, and really, a team like Indiana, you know, a team like Indiana beats some of the best teams in the nation, like, that really was very inspiring for players around the country. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Acre.fm and listen for more up uploads. Sundays will be the upload dates. And I'm out. Peace.